This is a remote voice podcast. I'm Daniel Silva, and this is the sixth in a series of letters that I am writing from Arnhem Land in Australia's Northern Territory. The previous five letters are available either to read or listen to on my website, danielsilver.work, or you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. If you haven't read or listened to previous letters, I, well, for this one particularly, it might be worth listening to letter number five because it sets up a few of the things that happen here. And also, given that I'm six weeks in to this journey, I've started to forgo defining certain things as if they'd never been introduced. That said, I still think if you really haven't the time, then listen on. So last week I tried to navigate this space of perceiving a need and how to respond to that need and dealing with an impulse to respond with kind of an activist mindset. But, well, that it's more complicated than that, as I found out by reflecting and and writing and thinking about it. That didn't really solve the problem, of course, so this week is in some way an attempt to look at the problem differently. Um, There are some really cool photos related to this week's letter, so you can check those out on my website. I'll post them at the beginning of the written version of this letter um yeah it's it was a fun week Uh, lastly if you are listening on itunes to this podcast it would be a big help if you subscribed and left a review of the podcast um if you'd like to get in touch with me you can do so by emailing me my email address is available on my website and you can also subscribe to receive these letters by email. Okay, I think that that is enough of an introduction. So here goes with letter number six, the light side. Watching the sky to the east... It appears as though the day begins when the sun arrives, and similarly that the moon rises when the sun sets. However, from a stellar distance we'd see that the sun and the moon stay relatively still while the earth spins between them. Thus, like figureheads on the prow of a cosmic ship, like sea lions lazing on a galactic shore, It is we who turn to the sun each morning 
and each evening we turn to the moon. I dreamt up that analogy late one afternoon under a purpling sky. What a beautiful image, I thought. Like a proud cat, I arched my back and gave a little purr. Then a chorus of birds erupted into song, like tiny angels. I closed my eyes. It was all I could do amidst the cacophony to keep myself from expecting to hear the voice of God. In the back of my mind, a deluded sage rehearsed his reply. Stay humble, he thought, but also measured and assertive. We wouldn't want God to think that of all the great poets to receive his message, this time he'd chosen one without a spine. Suddenly the chorus gave way, and from the north a sound rippled through the silence towards me. I opened my arms to the heavens, ready to take my place among the ascended saints. Then it hit me, like a bucket of cold water, a raucous cackle, a kookaburra laughing. I felt shame gather in my cheeks and pull in my eyes, then erupt from my mouth in a laugh of my own. Oh, kookaburra, I thought, now you've seen me naked, and what can I do but laugh? In my last letter, I wrote my way out of the impulse to start a revolution. Nevertheless, with my feet on the ground, there remained a need for bilingual education at Gapuyak School. So I spoke with some Yungle teachers and organized to run bilingual lessons during my time with the students. They were thrilled. And the Balanda teachers I spoke to had long harbored thoughts along bilingual lines, but hadn't the time to know where to start. So in the end, the best response to a grand problem was a small gesture. On the day of our first bilingual session, walking down to the lake, one of the elder Jungle teachers, Kath, took me aside for a word of advice. We'd planned to have the boys build a traditional shelter called a waro, and for the girls to wrap mud babies in paperback and learn traditional ways to care for the young, like a big game of house. Afterwards, the students would turn the game into storybooks for future reading practice. With regard to the game, said Kath, we should try and make it funny. If it's too serious, they won't understand. I didn't quite know what she meant, but I followed her lead. As planned, the girls made mud babies and wrapped them in paperback. They built a small nursery and put the babies to sleep. But when a curious dog approached... Kath took the opportunity, with a big smile, to pretend that one of the babies had been snatched by a dingo. She rallied the girls and they rushed to the boys, who by then were under their shelter, painted like warriors with chalky clay. Laughing, the girls relayed the terrible news, and together we searched for the baby. It was eventually found, but it hadn't survived. So together we mourned. And next week... We'll hold a pretend funeral. The children can't wait. Funerals are a deeply significant part of Jungle culture, so it will be a wonderful opportunity to continue the serious task of continuity. Comedy has a way of bringing light to the darkness, making some things easier to see, which got me thinking about a problem I've been puzzling over since I arrived in Arnhem Land six weeks ago. Litter. It's everywhere. In a previous letter, I called it the shrapnel left by the bomb blast of modern life. 
Bottles, bags and various bits and pieces line the streets. Many subscribe to the belief that a population accustomed to biodegradability will take some time to adjust to plastics. But watching people walk by huge bins and brightly coloured signs, I'm beginning to think that any ignorance is more likely the turning of a blind eye. Out here, the shop is the closest thing to a pub, and some of the problems people face lay at the feet of a diet replete with soft drinks and bread. So it could be that picking up litter would mean taking a good look at insidious lethargy and poor health. A difficult task. But there's a way. Next month there's going to be a big festival in Gapuyak. I joined forces with another artist and we devised a plan to use plastic bottles to build giant animal sculptures with the kids, who loved the idea. Then parade them on the night of the festival. To get started, we got out some wheelbarrows and turned up the reggae, then danced our way around town collecting bottles. Our good humour attracted welcome attention from the Buffalo Boys, a group of men who spend their time turning scrap metal into everything from bench seats to barbecues. We enlisted their help to fashion the frames. It's become a collaboration. Who knows? Perhaps these sculptures will be the good-hearted gesture that makes staring down the bottle that little bit easier. With love, Daniel. Okay, that is letter number six, the light side. And I don't really have any thoughts to add, only that I have a big smile on my face and I kind of feel like laughing. Can't tell you how funny it was to play a game of Find the baby that had been snatched by the dingo. And if you think that might be in poor taste, well, that's the thing about comedy, I guess. You know, it really... It really makes things lighter. And not in a way that, that, what would you say, doesn't do justice to the gravity of the situation. I don't think that... The gravity goes away, but maybe a little light helps to take a step towards it because, well, small portions, you know, one step at a time. Okay, that's it. Next stop, next week, and letter number seven.